0: Would you pray with me? O Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and love and the strength to follow on the path that you set before us. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Hear now the word of the Lord. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, we are continuing on a four-week journey with the Apostle Peter as we discover a little bit about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen and reigning Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Surely the Apostle Peter is one of the most fascinating characters in all of Scripture. Bold, Faithful, courageous Peter, fearful, doubtful, impetuous Peter. Peter experiences the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. The reason I like Peter so much, the reason I dislike Peter so much, is that I am Peter. Perhaps some of you are Peter as well. Well, This morning, once again, we see the best and the worst of Peter as he teaches us something very important about what it means to follow Jesus. Well, in our text this morning, Jesus has just performed one of the greatest miracles in all of Scripture when he fed over 5,000 people with just a few loaves of bread And some fish. Well, after feeding the crowds, Jesus takes his disciples down to the boat on the Sea of Galilee, puts them in the boat and sends them across to the other side of the sea while he remains behind to pray, spending time connecting with his Father. By the time Jesus comes to the disciples in the wee hours of the morning, They were struggling for dear life in the midst of a raging storm at sea. And when Jesus appears to them, walking toward them on the water, the disciples are further terrified, crying out, It is a ghost! But Jesus said, Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then Peter does the most... Interesting thing. He doesn't say, oh, thank God, Jesus, it's you. It's about time. Can you hurry up and calm this storm like he did back in chapter 8? No, instead, he says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, why would Peter do something like that? I mean, here he is in the midst of a raging storm at sea. Why would he be trying to get out of the boat, his one place of comfort and security? First, we can't help but think there goes Peter again, sticking his foot in his mouth. But maybe this time Peter recognizes something very important. This time, the Savior is not in the boat. And if you're truly going to be a follower of Jesus, at some point, you've got to step out in faith and risk getting out of the boat. Now, Peter was a fisherman and boats are places of comfort and security for those who made a living on the sea. And the disciples were all clinging to theirs for dear life. And for Peter to be willing to get out of the boat in the midst of a raging storm at sea, shows incredible faith and courage. This is actually one of the blessings that the storms of life can bring to us. Eventually, you realize that all the little boats that you are clinging to are not going to protect you. And you choose to let go of your faith in your retirement plan or your resume, or your healthy habits, or your good luck, and you choose instead to walk towards Jesus for salvation. But notice, Peter waits until Jesus calls him before stepping out onto the water. And then in obedience to Jesus' command, Peter does the impossible. Unfortunately, the miracle doesn't last very long. Peter makes it a little ways towards Jesus through the storm before he begins to falter. Peter takes his eyes off the Savior. And he begins to sink because he starts listening to the whispers of the wind in his ears. The voices that say to him, You can't walk on water. Who do you think you are, Peter? You'll never amount to anything. You're a failure. Look at yourself, foolish man. You've left the boat. Nothing can save you now. And Peter listens to those voices. And he believes. And he doubts. And Peter, whose name means rock, begins to sink like one. We're not really so different from Peter, are we? But we too listen to the voices around us that tell us lies about who we are, and we believe those lies. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not thin enough. You're not athletic enough. You're not strong enough. You are not lovable. You'll never be enough. You'll never have enough. You're a failure. You're worthless. We listen to those lying voices and we take our eyes off the Savior who alone holds the truth about who we really are. And like Peter, we doubt. I think it's significant that when Peter When Jesus chastises Peter for doubting, the Greek word here used here for doubt literally means to be of divided mind. We too have divided minds about Jesus, don't we? After all, there is a believer and an unbeliever inside each of us, isn't there? I mean, we say we believe and we want to follow Jesus, but when push comes to shove, when we're called to deny ourselves and take up our cross. When we have to make difficult decisions about our priorities and commitments and finances. When we're called to put the needs of others ahead of our own. When our political allegiances begin to conflict with Jesus' commands and the gospel. Well, we tend to look around for someone else to save us. We, we want to follow Jesus. We want to serve our Lord. We just want to serve other gods as well, just to hedge our bets. It's kind of like back in the book of 1 Kings when the prophet Elijah challenged the 450 prophets of Baal to a showdown on Mount Carmel. Elijah was frustrated with the Israelites because they were divided in their worship. They wanted to serve Yahweh, their God, but they also wanted to serve Baal, the local Canaanite fertility God, as well, just to hedge their bets. Elijah says to the people, How long will you go limping with two opinions? If the Lord is God, then serve him. If Baal, then serve him. You've got to choose. For as long as you are divided between your devotion to Jesus and the other gods we make for ourselves, you may be able to spiritually limp your way along in life. But when the storm comes, you'll sink like a rock. Now like Peter, we may be able to struggle our way a bit through the storm, But when we take our eyes off Jesus and begin to sink, we quickly quickly look around for another lifeboat to hold on to, to save us. We try a new relationship, a new job, we buy a new outfit, we start a new diet, we look for a new church. We try to save up a little extra stash of cash, thinking somehow that will protect us. We buy the self-help books being deluded into thinking that we can actually save ourselves. But even the title betrays itself. If you need the book, it's not self-help. We've completely confused what we think we want with what we really need. The trouble is that most of what we want will drown us. And most of us have a very hard time accepting what we really need. And what we really need, what we all really need, what our world really needs is a Savior. Fortunately, Peter recognizes what he needs before it's too late. And he cries out to Jesus, Lord, save me. Notice Peter does not try to get back to the boat. His one place of comfort and security Instead, he casts himself on Jesus, the one in whom heaven and earth are joined together. And Jesus immediately reaches out and grabs hold of Peter. And then Jesus pulls down the power of heaven as he pulls Peter up out of the waters of chaos from death to new life. Despite his little faith. Despite his failure. Of course, as you all know, this wouldn't be Peter's last or his worst failure. Early on the morning of Good Friday, at just about the same hour, Peter is once again trying to make his way to Jesus through the storm of Jesus' betrayal and arrest. And again, Peter enters the ring against the voices that whisper in his ear, You were one of his disciples, weren't you? And again, Peter makes it a little ways to the storm before he gets hit once, twice, three times before the cock crows. And Peter, once again, goes down like a rock. Like Peter, we haven't seen the last of our failures either. But the good news here is that our failure is not the last word. Our weak faltering, divided faith is not the end of the story. Though we too waver between our devotion to Jesus and the other idols we collect for ourselves, the reality is that it is not our faithfulness that saves us, but Christ's. It is His faithfulness that reaches out and grabs hold of us and will not let us go. It is his faithfulness that reaches down and pulls us up out of the waters of death and gives us new life. But Jesus doesn't save us so we can just sit back in the boat and enjoy the ride. No, he saves us so that we can join him in his mission to save this world, even when you're in the middle of a storm. And one of the things I find most fascinating about this passage is that the storm does not cease when Jesus pulls Peter up out of the water. Have you ever noticed that? Now, for a little while, Peter and Jesus walk together on the water right through the storm. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Now, when we respond to Jesus' call to come and follow him, we're never promised that Jesus is going to take away all the storms in our lives. What we are promised is that Jesus will always walk with us through those storms, always holding on to us, despite our little faith. Because even a little faith is enough for Jesus, as long as we stay fixed on him. The Bible tells us that faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. But whether you exercise that faith is, is up to you. You've got to test it, stretch it, try it, use it, just like you would any other gift that God has given you. But if if we do not invest in that relationship with Jesus and make it a priority, if we just sit complacently back in the boat, then our faith will never grow. And we will not experience the faithfulness and the power of Jesus in our lives. Notice, the other 11 disciples never got to walk on water with Jesus. Only Peter did. Because only Peter got out of the boat. And I can't help but wonder. If that isn't one of the reasons why Jesus chose to build his church on Peter rather than one of the other disciples. Well, Peter and Jesus eventually make their way back to the boat, and the storm then ceases, and all the disciples fall down on their knees and worship Jesus. After we've been out participating with Jesus and what he's doing in this world, Bearing witness to his kingdom by word and deed. Jesus always leads us back to the boat. To his body. The church. Where together we worship him. For it is here that we renew our vision and our identity. It is here that we are nourished by the body and blood of our Lord. Something I hope we can all do again soon. Here it is that we find sanctuary and we fall down on our knees in grateful praise for the faithfulness of the Savior who walks with us through every storm and who will never let us go. It is here. That we are reminded of the truth about ourselves, the truth that only Jesus possesses that I and that you are the beloved child of God with whom God is so well pleased, a child that God loves so much that not even death on a cross could stop him in his quest to find you and save you and bring you home. It is here that we are reminded of the good news. And then we are called back out of the boat to bear witness to it once again. I wonder, where are you in this story? Huddling in the middle of the boat with the other 11 disciples, playing it safe? Scooping out water for dear life, desperately trying to save yourself? peering up over the edge, trying to build up your courage? Or like Peter, are you fixed on Jesus, ready to step out in faith? If you ever really want to experience the faithfulness and the power of the Savior in your life, if you want to be a vital part of what Jesus is doing in this world, if you ever want to be truly alive in Christ, then at some point... You've got to take a chance on Jesus and risk getting out of the boat Now, I don't know what that might mean for you. You'll have to pray about it maybe it's it's agreeing to serve as an elder or deacon for our congregation. maybe it's making a greater financial commitment to the ministry of Jesus Christ in and through this church. Maybe it's committing to spend at least 15 minutes a day with Jesus and his word. Maybe it's committing to serve those less fortunate to you in a new way that might be uncomfortable for you. Maybe it's sharing the gospel with someone in your life who desperately needs a savior, which might be uncomfortable for you. Maybe it's flipping through the church directory and reaching out to other members of our church family just to check in on them and see if they're doing okay through one of the worst social and political and economic storms our country has ever seen. It's been five months since we've worshiped here together and we need to stay connected. Are you willing to to make five phone calls a week? to members of our church family. For maybe Jesus is calling you to act as his hand, to reach out and grab hold of someone who may be drowning in their loneliness, or their grief, or their fear, or their discouragement, and let them know that they are not alone. I don't know what it is that Jesus might be calling you to do, but whatever it is, the Savior is calling you, is calling me, is calling all of us to get out of the boat. The next move is yours. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.